The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Talk is Jericho, baby. Talk is Jericho. Talk is Jericho, mama. Talk is me. All right, welcome to Talk is Jericho. It is the pod of thunder and rock and roll. And today we've got another A lister on Talk is Jericho. Henry Winkler, the Fonz, my personal childhood hero. The Fonz is here on Talk is Jericho, but he's much more than just Arthur Fonzarelli. Barry Zuckercorn on Arrested Development, hilarious. Coach Klein on The Waterboy, hilarious. He's got so many great stories from all these acting gigs, as well as the reality series he filmed with Talk is Jericho alumni William Shatner called Better Late Than Never. They took five cameras, George Foreman, uh, Terry Bradshaw, and took a backpack trip through Asia. They filmed the whole thing and it aired on NBC, but wait till you hear how it all came together. Some of the experiences they shared that did not actually air on the show. And of course, you're going to discover how the Fonz's trademark leather jacket, signature phrases like whoa and a came to be and what inspired Arthur Fonzarelli's voice and mannerisms. Henry Winkler's on the way. And speaking of on the way, we're on the way to Springfield, Missouri, uh, this Saturday, December 2nd at the Toys for Tickets show at the Outland Ballroom in Springfield, Missouri. Just donate a toy worth $15 or more to the radio station. You'll get a ticket to the show, a big Christmas bash. Then, uh, of course, Fozzie's headed back to Europe with Steel Panther in January. Dates start January 28th all the way to February 12th at the, starting January 20th at the Olympia in Paris, France. It's a big room. We're excited to be going out with Steel Panther. We're excited to be doing VIP meet and greets and pre-show mini concerts on all the dates. Uh, get your ticket now to the Fozzie VIP house party at FozzieRock.com. We will play some rock and roll songs for you that you will not hear uh, at the rest of the show later on that night. Uh, come rock with us at Steel Panther, FozzyRock.com. And remember, speaking of going out, I took a, I did this interview with Henry Winkler last year at the Steel City Con in Monroe, Pennsylvania. Uh, this year, it happens again, December 8th through the 10th. And go check it out now. Hey, I'm here with uh, with uh, Henry Winkler. Good you got morning. A, good morning. And you got a really bright yellow shirt on. You're very, I do. You know what? I love color. Uh-huh. And as a matter of fact, I saw some fans at the Comic-Con yesterday here in Pittsburgh. Mm-hmm. And they showed me pictures. They have met me four times. And uh, this is my signature. I wear this kind of sweater, cable knit sweater. Mm-hmm. But they're all bright purple and orange. And yeah, they had every color. <laughs> it was uh, amazing to show me what I have worn over the it's years. It's like an Easter egg. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's, it's great, too, because uh, one of my favorite characters of all time, uh, Adolf Hitner. 
<laughs> from the one and only. I bet you that's not what you thought I was going to say. But it was. That's, I, I bet you like uh, a lot of people don't really remember that you were in a, a very cool movie with a lot of wrestling involved. Well, you know, um, uh, I had to learn. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we shot all day, and then I went to wrestling school so that uh, I could learn on, on how to be thrown uh, all <laughs> over the place and how to use the helmet to hit somebody in the head without <laughs> right. hurting them. right. That was an amazing... No, that film. was a Carl Reiner film. Carl Reiner directed it. And it was the one and only, was what it was the called. The one and only. I played Gorgeous George. I mean, a, a, based on... A variation, right? Yes, yeah, and the, right. Guy, the guy, if he's convinced he's going to be famous, and then finally nothing ever works for him until he gets into the, the wrestling, wrestling business. Yes. Right. I mean, that's an interesting script for you in, in the 70s. To see. Well, what I did was, it wasn't so much the wrestling as it was the emotional funny story mm-hmm. that this kid couldn't, wanted so badly to make it. Mm -hmm. just couldn't do it and he was going to find a way uh you know which is the way of the world Mm -hmm. right you want something you keep your mind on it it might not come in the package you expected but when you open the box it's what you want Right. So, how was it when you went to wrestling school? Like, where where was that? Uh, that was on the set in L.A. Uh, Jean Labelle. Jean Labelle. Jean Labelle was my teacher. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was uh, on the set in L.A. Uh, we made it at Paramount Pictures. Uh, I was doing Happy Days at the time, so I did Heroes with uh, Sally Field and Harrison Ford, and then I went right into the one and only. Hmm. Yeah. So when you were, because we used to call that in wrestling, you called taking bumps, wrestling school, and you learn how to fall and all that sort of Absolutely. stuff. Absolutely. Because you were doing some, some, I mean, you did a little jump with your, you jumped up on the guy's shoulders, and it was amazing. <laughs> I never thought I could do any of that stuff. And did it take a while to, to figure it out? It did, you know, because, uh, but it's like uh, when you learn to dance, you know, mm-hmm. in a musical, mm-hmm. your body remembers eventually, uh, the muscles remember what to do, mm-hmm. and then fear kicks in, you know, and then uh, all of a sudden you just do it when the camera rolls. And I think the guy that, that, that Hitner, and it's Hitner with an N, who was the Nazi uh, bad guy. Right. It was, I think that was Roddy Piper that was in the ring with you, wasn't it? Uh, he was it? there, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Was, and then I got a Christmas card from him uh, uh, for years afterwards. <laughs> so we're here uh, today in Pittsburgh for, for the Comic-Con. Uh, do you right. do a lot of these Comic-Cons? I do. I like it very much. Mm-hmm. Why, why is that? I'll tell you why. We work, um, especially an actor, you work in a uh, soundstage. Uh, with uh, uh, airproof and um, uh, soundproof doors. And then you hope you're making something that works. And then you get good ratings, and then you never see the human beings that are watching it. Mm -hmm. Without them, we don't exist. You know, uh, making entertainment uh, is half a circle. And the other half are everybody who watches. Mm -hmm. So when you go to the Comic-Cons and you go to all these different cities... People come and say, oh, I loved you in Parks and Rec. I loved Happy Days. I love the show you just went to Asia and, and you went traveling with uh, uh, George <laughs> Foreman and Shatner and uh, Terry, Terry Bradshaw. We're going to go again in May. I don't talk know about where that. we're going, but that's great. Mm-hmm. That is exciting. You know, and I get to uh, talk to children about my children's books. Mm-hmm. They come up and they go, I laugh so hard. Uh, and my funny bone fell out of my body. <laughs> and then the next thing they say, how did you know me so well? 
Mm. Which is one of the great compliments of that you can get, right? Right, and you basically just gave a, a career bio of some things that we're going to talk about. But I guess you're talking about the instant gratification of getting to see people and getting them, having them say hi to you, because it's the same thing if you're doing a live performance. Sure, you say something that's funny, people laugh. If you're on the sound stage for you know rest of development or whatever. You do it over and over again. After a while, you don't even know if it's funny anymore, I'm, right? I, that is for sure. <laughs> right, yeah. I, I want to tell you something. That is, it's really tough. You have to be very centered on a soundstage because the crew stops laughing after mm. a while. And you, let's imagine that there are four or five people in the scene. You have to shoot it over and over again so everybody gets on camera. Mm-hmm. And by that time, you have no idea if you were funny in the first place. <laughs> yeah, because the joke, you've said it sure. ten times and it's not sure. even anything anymore. Right, right. right. You mentioned uh, um, Better Late Than Never. And I had William Shatner on this show a couple times. And the right. last time was right before you guys Bill, went. Bill. Bill. Hello, Bill. Listen, yeah. I've read every book on the planet. <laughs> And I want you to know what's on every page. <laughs> yes, exactly. It. Very curious. Why do you wear yellow, Henry? Tell me this. Yes. And what's the origin of yellow? <laughs> He's like the most curious and guy. What kind of yellow is that? Is that lemon yellow <laughs> or sun yellow? <laughs> Did you know him? Bill, who gives a shit? <laughs> I'm enjoying the yellow. <laughs> That's him. You know him. Did you know him? Because he got two basically 70s icons. I met him. I would say for an hour and 45 minutes before we went on a trip to... That's it. I never met Terry. I've never met George before. And we are now bonded. I mean, what you saw on the screen uh, when the camaraderie started to really kick in was what was happening in real life. It's hard to believe that you had never met those guys after being on the scene for so long, all four of you, very big-name stars for years and years and years. No, well, remember, Terry was on the uh, football field, Mm -hmm. and he lives in uh, Oklahoma Mm -hmm. on some big farm. And uh, George lives in uh, in Houston, uh, and he is now the head of a church. Uh, And Bill I met because I was walking by his office window. His assistant came out and said, Mr. Winkler, uh, Bill Shatner would love to chat with you. That's like on like Sepulveda or something, right? No, it's in uh, Century City uh, or something. Yeah, Yeah. it's on Ventura Boulevard. That's it, yeah. Yeah. And uh, I said, I'm not in a good mood. I I don't want to talk to anybody. He said, no, no, no. Come in and say hello. And I did, and it was great. And that was really... uh, Oh, and I also did Bill Shatner's talk show Mm. called Raw Nerve Mm. that was on for a little while. Like interview show yeah, type of interview. So the concept of Better Late Than Never is they send all four of you guys over to Asia. Right. Right? And just let you guys loose and see what's there going on. There were five cameras, mm-hmm. no script, six cities, four guys. Uh, five, because there was also the stand-up comic uh, Jeff. Jeff Dye okay. came with us. And that was it. And we kind of made it up on the seat, uh, you know, by the seat of our pants. Mm-hmm. And the, the events were chosen by the producer. What we didn't know were what the events were and how we would react to eating live octopus, <laughs> you know, which is, uh, let me just say, it is not the same as Eggs Benedict. <laughs> had you been over to Asia before? I had, but in a very short way. Uh, Happy Days went over to Asia to play with the American troops on Okinawa. Hmm. And then I took my 13-year-old son at the time to uh, Tokyo and Kyoto. Okay. That was it. W- then I had gone to India once, 
but you know it not as intensively or and certainly not uh, we in the same events mm-hmm. that we went to on this show. So tell us about some of the experiences you had, the four of you guys. Well, I'll tell you that in uh, in uh, Thailand, I met an elephant, and that elephant looked me in the eye, and I looked him in the eye, and he only understood Thai, right? Of course. And I said in English, hi, my name is Henry, and I'm very happy to meet you. And I started to cry because the elephant was so emotional, so empathetic that you could feel it. 15,000. It was like standing next to seven shacks, you know, Uh, Shaquille Mm O'Neal, who is a very big person. Yes, he is, yeah. You know, oh my God, it was one of the great experiences of my life. Hmm. How did you get along with the other three guys? We did. We yeah. really did get along. Um, so different. Uh, we respected each other. Um, we made each other laugh, helped each other, mm-hmm. and uh, spit out uh, pork vagina together uh, <laughs> that was served to us at a yakitori restaurant in Tokyo. <laughs> I've never had pork vagina. You don't ever want to. Yes, I have not. Never. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Never. You, I would give you live octopus before pork vagina. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and then the cow penis soup in Hong Kong was not on my menu. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, stuff that you would never Of course, expect. Bill, hey, we're in the culture. You've got to eat this. You've got to be like one of them. <laughs> I don't think so, Bill. I'm going to have chicken. <laughs> I've been to Japan many times, and the one that always got me is when there was the uh, the pizza that had the little tentacles on it. I always thought it was interesting. And corn. Corn on pizza was very strange corn to me. Corn on pizza. Yeah. Sure. And you would always, like, I remember I went to the uh, convenience store to get some milk. I had a nice big gulp of milk and then had to spit it out because it was goat milk. Yes, which right. Which I do not tell you when you're, when you're over right. there. Yeah. Absolutely. And then also we went into a restaurant, and the chef has a, uh, a Michelin star. I mean, this is a great restaurant. And the sauce, the, the salad dressing, the, uh, the crispy on the outside of the potato is dirt. He dug dirt up out from the middle of Tokyo, hmm. 70 meters down. I don't even know how far that is. <laughs> and he makes all of this stuff out of dirt. Hmm. So that was interesting. Seventy meters down, that's the best dirt. Is that apparently it must be and the most beautiful dirt? It looked like dark chocolate. <laughs> yes. Did not taste taste that no. way though. Right, right. That is such a trip, Henry. There are over seventy-five million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are golden retrievers. Which means Tubi is more popular than using meat-flavored toothpaste. More popular than never figuring out what W-A-L-K spells. More popular than kicking your leg when a human rubs your belly just right. Tubi, it's more popular than golden retrievers. See you in there. Hey, this is Chris Jericho inviting you to the first ever rock and wrestling rager at sea. Picture this. Rock and roll, wrestling, comedy, live podcasting, all on the open ocean from October 27th to the 31st, 2018 from Miami to Nassau. I'm bringing Hall of Fame wrestlers, some of the greatest rock and roll bands on the planet, and putting the first wrestling ring on a cruise ship ever. Don't be a stupid idiot. Make the list. Check us out at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Remember me, Mark from Mark? You once called me the nutso from outer space. I think I must 
be dreaming of something like that, you know? Sorry, real thing. I had to zap your mind to make you forget. Didn't want you to go, Bozo City. <laughs> I think I want to wake up now. Strange custom. Doesn't give me pleasure. Did you? What did you think of some of the differences in Japan as a culture compared to the States? I really loved Asia. Mm -hmm. The people are really lovely, uh, which is most important to me. Mm -hmm. uh, you know what killed me? At the bottom of a great supermarket, I mean, not a supermarket, a department store, mm -hmm. is a food court. Now, most people know food courts. You know, there's a, um, a meat um, section and a cheese section, bread section. One of the great experiences in your food life is a Japanese food court that goes on for a football field. It is displayed the most beautifully I've ever seen food displayed in my life. <laughs> it was, that was just like eye-popping. Just the way that it was all spread oh out. Oh, my God. The taste, the art of it, and the deliciousness of it was amazing. Because what they'll do, Except too, for that baby, baby, baby fish that was on a skewer that was supposed to be in honey that tasted not good. like a baby fish. Right. Like you would imagine a baby fish to taste like. I'm telling you. We uh, one time went to a place where they had lo lobsters in a tank. Yes. And they say, choose the lobster, as you know they do. Mm -hmm. Had like kind of the flat... Uh, short order cook right. grill and they just basically took the lobster out of the water put it onto the grill right. and just stuck a spatula on it and just cooked it yes. while, while it was still alive yes. and you could hear it going like me and yes. you're just like oh yeah. I, can't, I can't eat this now it's unbelievable I don't want to do this no. So it was, and that this show Better Late Than Ever actually was, was a hit when, when it aired this yeah, a summer a hit and then we got picked up for a second season which is amazing yeah because you know, just the chemistry of the guys and just kind of the ridiculous yeah and the fun we had yeah you know, uh, the the one thing that people say to me from all over the world that have seen it uh, is we laughed so hard. Mm. Uh, we ate, we we saw it at dinner. Sometimes family members would call family members across the country and watch it together on the phone. Mm. Then you know you got something going. Now, and after all these years of, of being in the business and yeah. still having all these great projects, like yes. you said, now you know you still have something going. Right. What's the? Are you picking the right projects to get this longevity? Do you do you just take everything do that you comes know your what? way? I I take a lot that comes my way because you never know. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like I'm walking Las Vegas. I put myself in the slot, and just before I pull the lever. I say a little prayer, mm -hmm. and then I hope that uh, three cherries come up. <laughs> no, I'm not, really, <laughs> right. you, you never know. Mm -hmm. And uh, my stomach is my guide. I think I'm scared, but I really should push myself, or yes, I can do this, or wow, I, I, think, that, I think this is right. The ones that I know are wrong, I say no thank you right mm -hmm. away. It just, it, it, I just know instinctively to say, nope, thank you so much for asking. And walk away. Yeah, that's a, that's a good point. Like I do a lot of different projects, and there's still like my wife says you do so much stuff, but there's a lot of stuff I don't do. Right. Because like you said, I mean, I think one of them was Celebrity Apprentice three or four times. Right. Like, just didn't feel right I, to me. That's it. Not that there's anything wrong with it, but for no, me, no, 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 for you. Right. Right. You're not judging it. You're mm -hmm. just saying, for me, I, I I totally understand that, and I think it is the only way to live. Hmm. You know, I I have I say to young people, to young actors, anyway. Your instinct knows everything. 
your brain only knows a little bit. Hmm. So when your tummy is talking to you, when you get a feeling in your body, this is not the right person, I shouldn't be with this person, I shouldn't date this person, uh, I sh I, this is not the right job for me, uh, I should not be in this building, don't second guess it. Hmm. Your tummy says it, leave. Go, go home that way right 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 yeah. when you're talking about a lot of these projects too has there been kind of a like a like I'm thinking about for example the Adam Sandler movies you've done quite a few Adam yes. Sandler movies now when you grew up in the 70s like I did uh, you know obviously Henry Winkler right. and the Fonz are so iconic right. biggest character did that help you now like when Adam grows up and starts becoming a producer that is the reason I got the water boy mm -hmm. because he was a fan of the Fonz mm. and so he would take people because he was now making movies that were making money he would then invite people he loved mm -hmm. to be in the movies. Right. And then I got to be in five of them. Right. You know, just a few months ago, I did a little cameo in his newest one for Netflix. So he's still in my heart. He's still my friend. Sure, sure. Well, they, they got you in the door, mm -hmm. and then you do a great job, and you're a great guy, so he brings you back over and over. Yeah. And he did that with Vanilla Ice as well. Like, yes, right. Like you mentioned people like that. Yeah. He just thinks it's great. And then when it works for when it, when it works with his sense of humor, mm -hmm. boom, uh, I went to speak at his star and uh, that he got on Hollywood, Hollywood Boulevard, uh, Boulevard. Mm -hmm. you know he got a Hollywood star of fame and I met Kevin James in the morning we both spoke on behalf of Adam Sandler mm -hmm. and then that afternoon Kevin James called and said hey would you like to be in Here Comes the Boom I said let me think about that yes I would <laughs> and then I had a wonderful time as the music teacher right all these great uh same with came the, out of the blue. We mentioned Arrested Development, which was a Ron oh, Howard. Oh, that was but great. What a great show that was, and you were tremendous. I on went it. in for one scene as the lawyer, and I uh, just in the middle of the scene stole a uh, the muffin uh, off the plate and put it in my pocket as the family lawyer. I don't know where that came <laughs> to me, and I stayed for three years. <laughs> Barry Zuckercorn, amazing. It's kind of a perverted. He was like, oh my god, I didn't know what sexy was. <laughs> right, 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 right. Didn't know what you know. He just kept saying, "Oh, I've got an itch. Maybe it was from the truck stop." I know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, he, uh, you know, his assistant said, you're a girl, and he threw all of his paper clips at him. <laughs> right. Yeah. How important is that? You mentioned the choice of grabbing a, a muffin and putting it in your pocket. And as an actor, and you've been doing it for so long, but f once again, for young actors, making those choices is so okay, important. Okay, for a young actor, I will tell you, honestly, if you're, if you're thinking about it, you're not just hired to film to fill time and space. Mm -hmm. You're hired for your imagination. Somebody will say, no, don't do that. Somebody will say, you know what, that's too much. Mm -hmm. But if you're trained, if you've trained yourself and you have a good imagination, you've got to put it out there and then they'll say yes or they'll say no. Mm -hmm. And then if they say no, you do it again and you do it um, without that choice. Hmm. But an actor has got to go with their imagination. You really do. Sure. We mentioned the, the no fear. It's commitment, right? Yeah. On the inside of your brain, you should have no fear. Uh, it took me a long time to get this, but it should be tattooed on the inside of your forehead. Like you are going to play it this way because this is the way the guy is, in your opinion. In no my opinion. That's why they hired me. Mm -hmm. And then if they don't agree, somebody will say, no, try it this way. Or no, that's too much. Or you know what? Um, uh, let's just pull it back a little bit. 
Even like, for example, is that in the audition process? Is that what you used to I do? I made it up. Uh, you know, I'm dyslexic. Mm-hmm. Uh, reading is very difficult mm-hmm. for me. I'm in the bottom 3% academically in America. Even to this day? To this day. So, wow. You, you never get over your dyslexia. Mm. You learn to negotiate it. Mm. You learn to make it work for you. So I would get a script. I'd memorize it as fast as I could. And then what I couldn't remember, because I was going in for an audition, I would just improvise. Mm. And uh, it seemed to work a lot of the time. I got mm. the part. Mm-hmm. Talk a little bit about dyslexia, like for someone who's not dyslexic. What do you see when you look at a page? It's not just that. Every human being has another level. Sometimes you cannot learn through your eyes. Your eyes don't track. Hmm. The words start to swim on the page. Hmm. You leave words out. Your mind doesn't hear the way a word sounds. So you, uh, you can't spell. Math. You can't figure out math. You learn only through your ears. You have to learn through listening. I learn through my ears. I, I could not read the newspaper. The, the print was too small. The, the, the paragraphs were too dense. So I absorbed the world by listening really well. Do you know, for every human being, there is another level or it affects them with all of it, some of it, a little bit, a lot. It doesn't matter. But here it is. Can I, can I just say this please, one thing? Please, please. I know I'm talking a no, lot. No, that's, that's, that's what we're here for. If you are a young person and you have a learning challenge and you are listening, know this. And you can take this to the bank. How you learn has nothing to do with how brilliant you are. Mm-hmm. You have great thoughts. That's all you need. Mm-hmm. I took geometry four years, same course. That was 1963. Today, 2016, 17. Nobody from that time until today has ever asked me about a hypotenuse. <laughs> what the hell were they thinking? <laughs> Algebra. Who needs it? Who needs it? <laughs> Who needs it? I, I figured it out pretty well without it. <laughs> so when you're talking about 1963, I mean, people didn't know what dyslexia was at that right. time frame. Right. How, how were you as, as – and I know you wrote, wrote, wrote a lot of books about it with the Hank Zipser character. Right. So, when we're okay, – the Hank Zipser character, we wrote funny first. Sure. So they're kids. They're, we have uh, second grade mm-hmm. uh, to uh, sixth grade uh, is the audience. For these books. For these books. Right. And the second grade, uh, third grade, first grade novels use a print that's never been used in America before that lets the beginning reader Mm -hmm. uh, track the words across the page, which I had trouble doing. Hmm. Uh, And they're called Here's Hank. Hmm. And then Hank Zipser is for the third, fourth, and fifth grade, sixth grade. And there we just used... Emotion from my life and comedy we just made up. So you're taking kind of some of the stuff that, that loosely based on what you went through as that's a child right. and, and putting them into these stories. That's right. right. And then the, that's why the kids said, how did you know me so well? Because we don't write down to the children. Hmm. You know, they, we just we write comedies, but the emotion is true. Now, as a kid yourself, when you couldn't figure this stuff out... I was always feeling badly. Hmm. A child who has a learning challenge knows that they are not the same as the rest of the kids in that class. Mm -hmm. And their self-image plummets 
like a rock to the bottom of the ocean. Mm -hmm. And our job as a teacher, as a parent, as a grandparent, an uncle, aunt, whatever, is to constantly make that child understand they are terrific just the way they mm -hmm. are. That how they learn will eventually turn into their wonderful imagination. It must be so rewarding for you to be writing these stories and, like you said, have children come up to you and say, you know me so well, or thank you for these books. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I can't even begin to put it into words. Hmm. And all my children are dyslexic because it's really? hereditary. Is it? I didn't know that. It's passed on. Mm -hmm. You know, they didn't wake up one morning and say, well, I think I'll be difficult today. You know, they can't help themselves. So we have to help them understand who they are. They have greatness in them. They could be a great soccer player. I ask children, I talk to 500 kids at a time, and I say, anybody know what they're great at? I'm a great plumber. Uh, I help my dad. I, uh, I ride horses. I'm great at basketball. I love logarithms. I said, logarithms? I don't even know what that is, and you're great at it, and you're in the fourth grade. You're my hero. <laughs> Every kid knows what they're great at, that's what they need to be uh, lifted in order to accomplish. Hmm. So when you approached the publisher back, you know, whenever it was, because yeah. I think you've done how many Hank novels? Uh, 33. I mean, so do you approach the – because children, writing children's books is different from writing – Adult books, Adult yes. books. Yes, I've written four adult books myself. Right. I don't have no idea how to write a children's book. Yes, you do. If you wrote four books, mm -hmm. it is an amazing accomplishment. It doesn't get any easier. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. When you finish that last page of your fourth book so far, you're as proud of that page as you were the first time, right? Right. I'm telling you, it's if you set your mind to it, if you thought, mm, I think I'm going to write a, kid, a kid's book, all you need to do is think about the language you use, not, not whether you're cursing or not, the language of the difficulty of whether that is a fourth grade or fifth grade word, second grade word and you just write your emotion, it will be there. Hmm. Oh, I'm not kidding. So it's like you said, you're not writing down to the kids. No. Though. You're just writing in their language. You write stories, mm -hmm. and, you, and, and sometimes we think, ah, you know what, that word is like, that's going to, the kid is going to stop reading the book and think about what does that word mean? Or they're going to think, oh, I can't sound that word out. Mm -hmm. And that will take away from the fun of reading, especially when, at the beginning. If it's not fun, they won't read. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Bad, 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 bad. Do you have, do you work with an illustrator as well? No, uh, yes. Uh, there's an illustrator in England who does the uh, the younger books, mm -hmm. but the older books have no illustrations. Okay, they're, so they're just straight they're, novels, books, right? Like pre straight comedies. Pre so when you're doing these books, do you do one a year? Do you do a couple of years? Two a year, and that's that's your schedule, no matter what. I go to my partner's office. Mm -hmm. She types. I talk. <laughs> She has an idea. She types. I wait. Mm -hmm. She reads it back to me. We argue over every word. <laughs> and 25,000 uh, words later, we've got a book. Hmm. And that is also, too, like we were talking before, when you tell the same joke over and over again, you don't even know if it's funny. I find when I write my books, because you have to do the editing process, sure. and there's a rewrite, and then there's another rewrite. Sure. You get eight or nine drafts in. Sure. You're wondering, is this even good anymore? I mean, it's so, like, you get, like, should this word be and or should it be the? Should it be but or it should be, you know, and? I totally get that. Yeah. 
the only thing I can tell you is that you have to commit, and you know you wanted to tell the story. Did you tell the story that you set out to tell? Mm-hmm. Did you let them know? It, it, maybe they are um, biographies of you. I don't know. But yes. did, That's what they are, yeah. did you tell them a story that will inspire them because you're telling the truth about your life? Mm-hmm. If you did that, you don't worry about the uh. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. I'm not kidding. Mm-hmm. If, you, if your story moves a person... Don't you worry. Mm-hmm. That's what I, uh, I mean. I, I don't mean to be so presumptuous. No, no, but I mean, you're right. but it, yeah, that's what I've learned. Mm-hmm. Now, obviously, I mean, I can tell right away after being in show business for 25 years, you've been much longer, but you can catch a vibe from someone very you bad. bad. You are a very nice guy. You seem like you love children. I do. And th- I love my work. I love my dogs. I love my grandchildren. <laughs> uh, you know, my family. I love fly fishing for trout. Uh, one of the greatest things you can do. I, I thought, because I was dyslexic, I could never take a picture. Because, I, you know, there are too many knobs and mm. F-stops and, and uh, exposure. Then I realized, hey, you just point and shoot at something you like, and then you can crop it on a computer, and bingo, you got a picture. Right, right, right. Yeah, it's not you that know? hard, right? No. What about fly fishing, though? I mean, that's something that's very seems very. That's strange. what I thought. Then I realized I, I develop my own style. I go with a, a guide. The guide helps me when I get tangled because mm-hmm. there's no way I'm figuring that out. <laughs> and I catch my fish. Hmm. I take a picture with each fish, give it a kiss. I sign an autographed picture for it, put it in its mouth, and send it back to its nest. <laughs> there, are, I've got pictures all over rivers in uh, all across the, the world. <laughs> the world. <laughs> when we were talking though about about you know how you love kids and stuff, and we were talking about the Fonz in the seventies, right? Every kid's hero, like Amazing. literally, unbelievable how big the Fonz was. Starting at the, amongst at three. Kids. It's starting with that? At three-year-olds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Would come up to me. And they had no language yet or very little language, but they had their thumb. Hmm. They put their thumb up. And I'm, I hugged every one of them. Hmm. It, I'm telling you, I am amazed. I lived through it. Hmm. I helped make it come alive. I am amazed hmm. that t- we ended in 1983. Mm-hmm. 2017. And people are coming up to me like it was yesterday. Mm-hmm. I can't. It's like I'm the most grateful human being on the earth. But still, one of the greatest characters of all time. Like last night, I was just kind of going through and just watching. Like I typed in the best of the Fonz on YouTube. Like this guy was so awesome. Like everything that he could do, almost like a, like a wizard in a lot of ways. Not like a wizard. You know what I mean? Oh my gosh, I, I, he was everybody I wanted to be, <laughs> yeah. and that I wasn't. Right. You know, I was not cool with girls uh, until I got on television. Mm-hmm. I was 27 when I finally, like, oh, she likes me. <laughs> now, does she like me for me? Mm-hmm. Or does she like me because I'm on TV? Right. And I got another dilemma. <laughs> right. But he was so cool. How about that he's sleeping in the woods? That's the best scene. And the animals wake him up. And he sits up and just goes, cool it. And those animals quiet down he goes back to sleep 
Oh, my. That's the definitive find. It is the best one. Another great one, too, is when they're in Arnold's and uh, Richie gets gets uh, sidelined by the five guys who don't want him to let, let him play base, uh, basketball. Right. So Fonz lets him go, and he goes, i got to warm up. And then he punches the one door and knocks it down, punches the other door and knocks it down, scares the bullies away, hits the jukebox, the music plays, and here comes the chick from the other gang to come dance with uh, the Fonz. Amazing. So when you, did you, were you guys writing this stuff together? No, 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 no. We had... Gary Marshall, rest his soul. Yeah, we had, what a genius, right? We had twenty writers in the room: Lowell Gans, Babalu Mandel, uh, Fred Fox, uh, Brian Levant. Mm-hmm. All of these people went on to create um, uh, afterwards, but they ran the show, hmm. and they were amazing. Hmm. Thursday night, Thursday afternoon, we did the show in a, a rehearsal in front of the cameras so the cameras could figure out where to move during the scene. It was like a ballet. Mm-hmm. The cameras would move. We would move. All right? Because we did it in front of a live audience. Thursday night, I said, oh, my gosh, Lowell, I can't do this scene. It's not working. Friday morning, I would come in. It was in complete rewrite. Hmm. And it was like a gem. I could not do that. Hmm. The, um, my hat is off to those human beings. Without the writer, we are nothing. Mm-hmm. And that's just the truth. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Right, right. Everything begins and ends with the word. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you came into audition for that, because the, 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 the rumor or whatever, I don't even know if this is true or not, was that they were looking for a bigger guy. Yeah, they were. A blonde guy or yeah. something. So when you came in, how did you even get the call to do this audition? Well, I went my I was in LA mm-hmm. for 5 days. I had just landed. I went to Paramount Studios. Just landed from 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 New York City. Okay. I had $1000 from commercials. I was there for a month. I was just trying it out. Mm-hmm. I thought, you know what? I'm I'm too small. I, I'm not great looking. Uh, it's, I I'm not I can't like, read probably. I can't yeah. read really well. So, but you know, I'm not like the the Hollywood, you know, what they keep you know, yeah, the, the, the Frank, epitome of the yeah, Hollywood right. star, right. And uh, I went in. I changed my voice. I changed my body. I made the guy sitting uh, uh, reading with me, the other part, uh, he was reading Pasquale. I made him sit down. I threw the script up in the air. I sauntered out of the room. And then they called me and said, would you like to play this part? And I said, okay. Unbelievable. Then uh, I had to audition again for Gary Marshall. I had a unibrow at the, at the time, and a guy named Bruce Hutchinson came at my face with a tweezer for two hours <laughs> and plucked my unibrow to make me have two brows, two eyebrows. And I just, uh, I, I said to him for two hours, ow, ooh, ow, ow, ooh. For two hours. That was my conversation. <laughs> that was it. And that's when you became the two eyebrow guy. Yeah. I got two eyebrows. <laughs> but but and the, the initial character, the show, this reminds me a lot of like the Spock character in Star Trek. He was just kind of a background yes, guy. Yes, right. I had and six so was lines. The funds, right? right. Yeah. Yeah. And so what was it about, about, about that character that suddenly became so interesting? Hmm. I, I don't know. All I did was everything that came to my mind. I just, and then, you know, when I changed my mind. When I changed my body, my imagination unlocked. It was like I literally found the key in to being connected. Hmm. I I started talking like this. Bingo. Things would come out of my mouth. I don't even know where they came from. Mm -hmm. Honestly, it was amazing. 
my my journey. It was so much fun. I can't begin to tell you. Did you base that voice or that character on somebody that you had met? I had just worked with Sly Stallone. Mm. But I used the voice in the movie I did with Sly. Mm-hmm. But Sly is Sly mm-hmm. because he is brilliant. He's a brilliant writer. Funny, funny, dry, funny Absolutely, fellow. yeah. I mean, really a terrific man. And uh, crazy, but terrific and I got along with him so well when Sly came to California with his first wife Sasha and their bull mastiff dog uh, the car broke down and I he called me I went to pick him up and I took him to his apartment uh, with his stuff and we left the car right there on the side of the road <laughs> might still be there yeah might still be there now he believe me he's got a new car <laughs> yeah uh, but I would think to myself, he was such an individual guy mm-hmm. in the beginning. I thought, wait, what would Sly do? Hmm. And then I would just... Uh, That's a good... It does have a little bit of Stallone yeah. in, in the Fonz, right? Absolutely. What are some of the other choices that you make? You talk about the thumb, thumbs up. You talk about sit on it. Some of the iconic things that, in the That was written. The thumb was written. Yeah. You know what I gave, what I brought to the party? Cause I, and I stole it from my favorite sport at the time. Whoa. Like, you know, Paula Petrolunga would walk by. Whoa! Get over here, and and then I so I I went e and whoa for ten years. But from what sport did you get that from? Uh, horseback riding. Whoa! <laughs> Slow down there, horsey. <laughs> so well, and a as well was, was no 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 a uh, came because I wanted to reduce uh, language. Uh, they wrote too many paragraphs for me. Hmm. And you can't be cool, uh, you know, or I thought in the beginning, talking that much. Hmm. So I would reduce entire paragraphs to a, you know, they wanted me to say a prayer to God. I just looked up and I went, a God. E. <laughs> you know, and that was thank you. Everything was in the A. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Thank you for everything. Just yeah, you and me. Just mm-hmm. as, you know. amazing, like like you said. Just um, you really knew this character. I I got to know him really well. Let's talk about the the, the controversial black leather jacket, which in the early seventies. Right now, right? it was brown. <laughs> That's first of all. It shot black. Yeah. The first one was stolen from the costume department. They made me five. They put them in a vault. Uh, they ripped out the lining of one in which I water skied. I did all the water skiing except for the jump over the shark. They wouldn't let me wear leather in the beginning. They thought I would be associated with crime. Really? So I wore a cloth jacket, which very difficult to be cool in cloth. <laughs> in a windbreaker. Oh, man. <laughs> but that's the truth, though. The Fonz was in the back that's with a right. white jacket that's on. That's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. It was a McGregor golf jacket. Wow, because they wouldn't let you wear black leather. And then eventually, in 1980, I delivered the jacket to the Smithsonian Institution, that's, and it's in Washington. That's amazing. That's amazing. The Fonz's leather jacket yeah. in Smithsonian, right? I had a dream when I was seven, and in 1980, I delivered the jacket to the Museum of America. What dream did you have when you were seven? I want to be an actor. Gotcha. Yeah, I, I knew it always. Hmm. 
So, so w- when did you start realizing how big the Fonz was and how huge okay. Happy Days was? So we went on the air in January, mm-hmm. I think January 4th, 1974. Mm-hmm. In April, I made an appearance, my first personal appearance, and that was I, I was sent to Little Rock, Arkansas. I was going to sign autographs for the newspaper, uh, the uh, Constitution or whatever it was called, in Little Rock, Arkansas. Right. 11.30 at night, I get off the plane uh, the night before, uh, Friday night. I'm going to appear on Saturday. There are 3,000 people at the airport at 11.30 at night in poodle skirts. And I thought, hmm, this is uh, amazing. Mm-hmm. And that was my first inkling that we were making an impact. Hmm. Yeah. So now in 2016, how, how big was Happy Days ratings-wise? We were number one, number two, or number three for nine years. Hmm. And the the first show to knock us out of that slot was uh, the A-Team. Hmm. They counter-programmed us with comedy all those years. Sure. And not one of them worked. And the A-Team was the best counter-programming against Happy Days. But wasn't there kind of a little family? Wasn't there like the Gary Marshall shows, like Laverne and Shirley? Gary Marshall was a genius. And uh, Mork and Mindy. Mm-hmm. There were so many. Uh, there were a lot of them that didn't make it. But mm-hmm. uh, he was, oh, my God, he was my Don. Hmm. Yeah, he was amazing. Would he give you a lot of advice on how to play the part? He taught me everything. He taught me how to be an executive producer. Uh, I would ask him if I had a problem. He would come solve the problem for me mm-hmm. uh, right on the set. Uh, he would just go, yeah, you could do this. It would be nice and everything would be happy. I'm going to have some <laughs> pasta now. <laughs> you know, and, he, and his pasta sauce was ketchup. He was allergic to 134 things. He was constantly sneezing. Gary Marshall, the genius of our television time. His pasta sauce was ketchup. Yes, he was a sneezer. <laughs> a couple last things, Henry. When you talk about Mork and Mindy and when it was the Fonz versus Mork, what did you think of Robin Williams as a performer at that point in time? I knew. When, when Robin Williams came on the set mm-hmm. and we started rehearsing, I, I knew that I was in the presence of something great. Just get out of his way. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter whether we're the stars of the show. This guy, just let him be who he is because this is too much. Mm -hmm. This is incredible. Mm -hmm. And I was thoroughly enjoying myself. Mm -hmm. My job the entire week of shooting with him was to keep a straight face because he never did anything twice the Mm -hmm. same way. Always improving and making stuff up, right? You talk about improv. Yeah. He would suck the world in. In a deep breath, and then he would spit it out uh, as Robin Williams. It was amazing. And that's where we're at the, at this point with Happy Days, where, like we mentioned, the Fonz is kind of being a wizard. Now he's fighting aliens and he's fighting right. Beelzebub, the, the, right. the devil. Like it's becoming like, almost this fantasy it's character. Unbelievable. He could do anything. Right, right, right. Yeah. I hit the side of a uh, an apartment building, and all the lights went on <laughs> in every apartment. You know? I thought, wow. You just have to believe it. Sure. You know, you can't question something like that. You could have almost made a movie of Fonz with, like, Superman or Fonz Saves the World or something along really, those lines. Really, Captain America. Right, exactly. And the Fonz. And we're, we're talking about, too, the, the famous, the, the famous uh, catchphrase now or the famous term of jumping the shark. Right. Literally comes from Yes. Well, in the fourth year, I think, we uh, went to Hollywood. We jumped the shark. 
uh, on water skis um, in order to save Richie, I think. And uh, some kid in his dorm room, John Heim, uh, and his roommate at Michigan University came up with the idea of jumping the shark when something had outstayed its welcome. Mm-hmm. The only thing is we were in a hit for several years afterwards after jumping the shark. So right. it didn't apply, really. So I didn't ever care much, you know. Did you, when you're reading these scripts at that point in time, you're just like, oh, this is cool, or like, this is kind of dumb, or this is ridiculous, or this will be fun? There were times when the, the scripts, you know, you, you do 10 years, you do 255 episodes. Some of them are not <laughs> going to be good. Right, right, right. And you have to work awfully hard to make them funny. Do you still have uh, uh, connections and relationships with, with some of the people from the With cast? almost everybody. Yeah. Uh, Don Most, Anson Williams, certainly Ron Howard. He's like my brother. Uh, Marion Ross is one of my favorite women of the 21st century. Um, you know, uh, Gary unfortunately died. Mm-hmm. Jerry Paris, our director for most of the episodes, passed away. Tom Bosley, Mr. C, passed mm-hmm. away. But, yes, we are all still a family. There's always a little bit of a sexual connection between Mrs. C and the Fonz. Ah, what a woman. What a woman. <laughs> Wise and talented and lusty and just a fabulous, just a fabulous woman, really. Last two questions. It's a two-parter. What's your favorite Fonz episode, favorite Happy Days episode? Mm-hmm. And what's the favorite part you've played that's not the Fonz? Okay. I don't have a favorite part mm-hmm. because I always think the next one is going to is be my be the favorite. One. Right, right. I'm going to do a new show with Bill Hader for mm-hmm, HBO, mm-hmm. and I can't wait to. I play an acting teacher. Uh, we're going to do uh, another Better Late Than Never. I can't wait to see where we travel in the world. You don't even know where you're going. No, yet. don't have the slightest idea. Just finished um, our newest novel of Here's Hank. To me. I think this is great. He builds a robot and can't figure it out. So he needs to find a friend, Uh you know, who knows about robots. And he picks a kid who has Asperger's. Hmm. So the kid is not relating to Hank. Hank doesn't understand that. But the kid relates to robots. That's great. Yeah. So how about the favorite Happy Days episode or favorite Fonz moment? I think my favorite Fonz moment, uh, maybe uh, when Richie was in the uh, in the hospital and uh, had a, a, a you know was in an accident, and I prayed to God to uh, I will do anything for you, God, if you make Richie better. Mm-hmm. And uh, being outdoors, sleeping out in the camping out, and <laughs> that is quieting the, classic, the animals. Yeah. Cool it. Yeah. <laughs> it, it just is. I wish I could do that in my life. <laughs> Henry, it's a pleasure to be talking Thank with you. you, my friend. What Thank a, you. a wonderful Thank interview. You. Thank you for shaking hands right and now. And if I were you, I would write a children's book. I think I should. Okay. I will. Thank you. Hey, what a great guy. Henry Winkler, uh, man, my childhood hero right there. Uh, dressed like an Easter egg, though. Very colorful. You can see the picture on Instagram, uh, I'm pretty sure, and on Twitter very soon. Uh, and maybe I will take his advice and write a children's book. You never know. Thanks again to Henry Winkler. Uh, they say don't ever meet your heroes. That is BS. I got to meet the Fonz, and he was a great guy. Uh, I'm glad I had the chance to sit down with him. And if you ever see him at Comic-Con, go talk to him. He loves chatting with the fans. And my favorite thing is we took a picture later on in the day. And 
he doesn't ever take pictures with the uh, the Fonz thumbs up. It's just like people saying, "Hey, put me on the list." You just not uh, you just don't want to do that. You're not in the mood. You don't. You got to be in character. When I took my picture with Henry, he gave a thumbs up, and so did I. And my smile says it all. I'm beaming like a like a 12 year old schoolgirl going to meet uh, uh, Justin Bieber, if that's even a thing anymore. <laughs> Go check out Henry Winkler when you can. He's a great guy. And come check out uh, Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at sea. The cabins are going fast. Some decks are already completely sold out. We're getting very very close to that 400 cabin limit of coming to see me uh, uh, in an exclusive Q and A. And remember, if you book before January 15th, you'll also get to take a picture of me with the list, and you can put your name on the list, okay? That is a true story. Uh, only a couple spots left that are filling up. Uh, we're selling, oh, wow. <laughs> if I told you, you wouldn't believe it. Just trust me, this will sell out. We set sail October 20, 27, 2018, uh, almost a year away. But here's the rest of the cruise lineup. I'm your host with the most. Jim Ross and Jerry the King Lawler emceeing the cruise. Mick Foley, Ricky the Dragon Steamboat, Ray Mysterio, Killing the Town with Cyrus, uh, Keeping It 100, Conan, Disco Inferno, Shane Helms, Raven will be there. Beyond the Darkness, Tim and Dave will be scaring the crap out of you. Ron Funches, Jim Brewer, Brad Williams doing comedy. Hilarious guys. Busted Open, Dave LaGreca will be there. Rocking it with you. Fozzie, Judas, number five again, three weeks in a row. This song just won't die. And we just filmed the new video for Painless, and I can't wait for you to see that. Stay tuned right here for news on when the new uh, video will be ready. Phil Campbell and the Bastard Sons working on a new album. Phil wrote all the songs for Motorhead. Uh, King will be there. Please go to GoFundMe.com and look up uh, King Got Their Shit Stolen. They lost $70,000 in gear when uh, some thief, some rat bastard thief stole all of their equipment. Not cool. Uh, King will be on the cruise and hopefully they'll have their, their gear back by then. The Dives will be there. Great power pop band featuring Evan Stanley, uh, son of Paul. The Dave Spivak Project. Spiwi's new video for Get Out of My House is almost ready to be released. Uh, the Cherry Bombs, the Darlings of Rock and Roll. Alicia Dove was in the Painless video. She killed it in the Judas video they will rock your socks off shoot to thrill speaking of girls the best female acdc cover band blizzard of ozzy the world's best ozzy osbourne cover band and of course ring of honor will be holding the sea of honor tournament on the ship winner will get a future shot at the roh world championship young bucks the villain marty Skrull, the american nightmare cody don't call him Rhodes. brandy Rhodes will be there the briscoe brothers the party peacock dalton castle all joining the cruise festivities and they will be leaving it all in the ring next october we have a ring set up on board the ship. There's for the first time ever, you're going to see actual wrestling matches in the middle of the ocean. You're not going to see that anywhere else, only on Chris Jericho's Rock and Wrestling Rager at Sea. And what a cool, cool uh, time we're going to have. It's going to be the first of many. I guarantee it. So book your cabin now at ChrisJerichoCruise.com. Uh, we're going to have a blast and uh, have some great rock and roll playing. And speaking of great rock and roll, I have to uh, mention the passing of Malcolm Young from ACDC, uh, who I I've realized over the last few years are definitely the greatest rock and roll band of all time. Uh, Malcolm was a machine. He was the captain that ran that engine that is uh, ACDC, uh, one of the greatest rhythm players of all time. And um, uh, I love ACDC. I don't think there's a bad Bon Scott ACDC song. I love ACDC with Brian Johnson, uh, with Axl Rose, but more specifically with Malcolm Young. And he hasn't been around for a few years, so suffering from dementia, uh, passed away. And uh, God bless Malcolm Young. There will never be another uh, one like him. Never 
been in the band like him. And speaking of passing, David Cassidy, um, uh, when I was a kid, I was obsessed with the Partridge family. And if you think Partridge family's bubblegum, go back and watch some of the videos uh, that the Partridge family had from the show. And not just I Think I Love You, but some of the other great ones on there. Um, uh, some very, very cool stuff. The Money Money is, is really cool. Um, you got to go check it out. There's some great, great rock and roll songs. David Cassidy's a great singer and super hot, very good looking. And uh, God bless him as well. And God bless all of you. Remember to kiss your loved ones, hug them, live your life, because you never know when it might uh, when it might not be there anymore. So uh, work hard. Get a cabin on ChrisJerichoCruise.com and we can have a drink. You can have a drink on me in, in honor of Malcolm Young. So thank you so much. Uh, thank you to all the great Talk is Jericho sponsors as well and for all of you for, for supporting them, uh, which enables me to do this show for free every single week, twice a week, uh, for free for you. And coming up on Friday, first time ever, uh, uh, giving all the reasons why he was fired from the WWE. I'm talking with Jimmy Jacobs, who not only is a great wrestler, then who is back on the independent scene, but he was uh, my uh, personal writer in 2016 and 17 in the WWE. He created the list of Jericho. That's all Jimmy Jacobs. We're going to talk all about how he's able to do that this Friday. Trust me, you're not going to want to miss this. Jimmy is a great guy. I really enjoyed working with him. He created the list. You hear the whole story, man. Uh, you know what happens when you don't listen to, 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 to Jimmy Jacobs on, uh, on uh, Talk is Jericho? You know what happens when you, when you don't listen? You just made the list! So don't make the list. We'll see you on Friday. In the meantime and in between time, peace, hugs, love, and uh, stay hard, stay hungry, and a big yeah, boy. Hey, whoa, pull it. Exactement.